Hey, what's going on, everybody? On this episode of the Breaking the Game podcast, we have Lee Branscombe of the Witch Carolina Twitter handle and of HoopsProspects.com. And we're going to be given 10 NBA team draft grades on how they did on this year's draft. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be right back after this break. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Breaking the Game podcast. I am one of the co-hosts here, Stephen Gillespie, joined by my better half, Austin Carr. Austin, what's up, brother? Hey, what's going on, man? I'm excited for today's show. We got a you know a special guest, as everybody can see, so I'm pretty excited to, to get this one going. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know the NBA draft is over, so we brought back our friend of not only just our show, but to the Off the Ball Network at large, Mr. Lee Branscombe. What's going on, brother? Steven, Austin, I uh, I appreciate you got having me back, um, and I appreciate y'all letting me, um, you know, post uh, or, or spout some post draft opinions um, as we all kind of, I guess, have let the draft marinate, you know, for a few days mm-hmm. now, and um, you know, get, getting all the trades straight, figuring out exactly who went where, and uh, and, and trying to uh, project, you know, what this rookie class might be able to do in the NBA uh, season, which starts in like a month. <laughs> Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, um, you know, the last time we had you on, we did a little bit of, you know, what I just different draft segments, you know, who are the best prospects in our eyes, you know, who are the guys not to buy the hype on and who are some sleepers that we could, you know, kind of expect to come in a little bit undervalued and then down the line, you know, overperform that. But Lee, before we get into the teams, man, I just want to ask you, what were your overall thoughts on this draft? Were, were you, you know, largely surprised that it go the way that you expected I mean, I'm sure you could probably pick it apart one way or the other, but at large, how did you feel about the draft? Yeah, at large, I it went fairly um, as I expected, I think, honestly. I mean, and, and obviously we're going to talk about a lot of these teams. Um, you know, a couple of the surprises early didn't, didn't shock me as much as I think it might have some other people. Um, the, I think the one thing that did surprise me, though, was – um, you know, we didn't get any trades until like halfway through the first round. So I think everyone was kind of sitting there anticipating a bunch of moves in the first 10 picks. And, you know, all of a sudden you look up and we're at 12 pick or thir- you know, 12 or 13 and, and nothing had happened from a trade front. So as far as like the way the selections went down, there were a couple of minor surprises for me. But um, on the whole, I, I, I thought it was pretty um, – expected for the most part but yeah th- just the fact that we didn't get any trades until we got much later in the first round was was the one thing that kind of threw me off a little bit yeah I, I i can buy into that too and like you said like towards the end is like right after the lottery it felt like it was like okay now we're gonna start seeing some some different trades made but we did have some trades kind of leading into the draft that were right. Um, that did kind of help that upper part of the draft too. So it, you kind of had to look for it a little bit, but it wasn't as in your face as what we're you know typically used to seeing, especially with you know as as all experts have been saying that this hasn't been a draft that that's very sexy as far as like big names, you know, potential um, stars. You know, it's more of like a, a free agency or excuse me, not a free agency, but like a role player type yep. draft, similar to what we're seeing in free agency right now, right? So. Um, Good stuff. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get started, though, Austin. The Atlanta Hawks 
are going to be our first team. Austin, real quick, your your takes on how Atlanta did. They took on Yeko Kongwu 6th and Skylar Mays 50th. Um, well, you know, to be honest, I was kind of surprised. Like uh, Lee said, that th- this is where I kind of expected there to be a trade. I oh. kind of thought Atlanta would move this pick. I, you know, they have a lot of young talent. They've drafted really high in the draft the last few years. And they had made it kind of a, a stated goal to to get a little bit of veteran help and to try to, you know, field a team that's going to compete for the playoffs this year. And so I was a little surprised that they kept their pick. But, I mean, other than maybe Obi Toppin, I don't know that there was a better – prospect left at six than Okongwu you know um we talked about him when Lee was on the last time and we both you know we all kind of said that we had some you know ifs about him and he had we had some questions about him but ultimately he is you know a monster athlete he does you know a lot of things really well that I think will really um you know really help Atlanta will really kind of um he'll be a good backup I think for um, their starting big men, you know, whether it's John Collins and, and um, Capella or whoever, whoever that ends up being probably those two, you know, I think he'll be a great third big man off the bench for them. Um, He's going to be, he's going to, you know, bring in kind of that energy and effort and excitement off the bench. So I think that was a good pick. Um, Skylar Mays, you guys will have to kind of school me on him a little bit. I don't know as much about him as probably you guys do, but uh, yeah. So I like their first pick for sure. Excellent. Lee, what do you think, man? I, I know that um, Okongwu was not really a guy that we were hearing a lot of buzz projected to go towards Atlanta. How did you how did you handle that? Yeah, so um, for an overall draft grade, I, I kind of have Atlanta slotted in like that A minus uh, mm. range. I thought they did a terrific job. Okongwu, uh, they took him number six. He was the fifth rated prospect on my board. So I thought they got terrific value there. I thought Okongwu was the best big in the draft, so I, I love that they went ahead and selected uh, went ahead and selected him at six. Obviously, Wiseman ahead of him, um, and then Skylar Mays at fifty. I had Skylar Mays thirty third on my board, so I thought that was unbelievable value for them to get him late in the second round. Uh, the only reason it's not an A plus is because. As you guys know, I'm a massive Tyrese Halliburton fan. I would have taken, we. <laughs> as are you guys, I would have yeah. taken Halliburton. But, you know, it, at the same time, I understand why they might want to add more of a defensive presence to their lineup to go along with Trey Young and John Collins and Herter and Reddish and, and DeAndre Hunter. Obviously, the, the Hawks have been super active this offseason. They added yeah. Danilo Gallinari. They've signed Bogdanovich to an offer sheet, so we'll see if they're able to pry him away from Utah. Um, and, and I thought Skylar Mays filled one of Atlanta's most desperate needs, which was can you acquire some players that can keep your offense afloat when Trey Young is out of the game? Because right. as good as Trey Young is offensively and as, as dynamic as the Hawks offensively were just a complete mess when he had to rest last year. So the rumors are, I don't know if this is official yet, they're saying Rondo is also headed to Atlanta. So between Rondo and Skylar Mays, I mm-hmm. think they solved that issue um, of mm-hmm. of a, a offensive organizer when Trey Young is off the floor. So um, all in all, man, I thought the Hawks did a terrific job, and that, it pains me to say that because I'm a Charlotte fan. So, so you know, I'm I'm uh, <laughs> I'm kind of trying to shed away my bias here and give a give an actual opinion. All right, well, I'm going to mm-hmm. try to make you a little bit happier here since you're a Charlotte fan. I only gave them I only gave them a C plus. Okay, uh, 
Uh, you you know that I'm not that big of an Okongwu guy, and mm-hmm. I spoke to that to the reasons why. I think yep. that the reasons defensively that he gets so much praise, I don't think is going to really translate that well into the NBA, right? Like he struggled in ice, you know, on, on guarding on the perimeter, and he struggled in the pick and roll. You know, when he was posted up, obviously, you know, with his frame, he's going to be able to handle most collegiate athletes, right? So, right. Um, and plus, I just I didn't feel like the the redundancy that he's going to give with Capella. And obviously, it's like I actually kind of like him in this role better as opposed to maybe going to Charlotte and being the starter. I do kind of like him. You know, everyone is comparing this guy to to Bam Adebayo. Like, how much more Bam Adebayo does it get to be, you know, drafted? And you're going to probably be starting behind a guy for a year or so, right? So maybe that'll allow his skills to develop a little bit more. Um, Won't be as high a demand. Uh, Like you, I feel like Tyrese Halliburton was the better fit for in a lot of ways, especially team need. Um, Skylar Mays, I wasn't really high on him, but, you know, when you get to the 50s, if you got a guy that you believe in, you know, it's kind of hard to to knock a team and be like, no, you should have drafted, you know, X, Y, or Z player instead, you know, because we'll talk about this later with the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. Uh, this late in the draft, if you got a guy, you got a need, you got a guy, go ahead and get him. They did, like you mentioned, go and get Rajon Rondo and Chris Dunn in free agency. So they're addressing the defensive sides. Um, you know, Bogdanovich, that'll be interesting to see if he gets out of Sacramento on that deal or not, you know, because he is a restricted free agent. Oh, yeah, I said Utah, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the other Bogdanovich, right? Yeah. So, okay, I met them up all good the time. Lord. I just call him the Boston Bogdanovich and the Sacramento Bogdanovich. So you're good. Yeah, there you go. But um, <laughs> overall, I give them a C plus due to already having Clint Capella. I thought that maybe the Gordon Hayward trade would happen with Atlanta and maybe bring in a Clint Capella. So I don't know. We'll kind of see what happens with with your team, right? And we'll talk about yeah. them here in a little bit. But um, overall, I give the Atlanta Hawks a C plus. Yeah, totally fair. I mean, I think the redundancy point with him and Capella is 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 a is a valid uh, reason for concern. Um, and then Skylar Mays, the one thing I'll say about him, obviously he's an upperclassman from LSU. Um, he was basically a 50-40-90 shooter at LSU, just just an incredibly efficient um, kind of on-the-ball guard. He can play make, he can shoot, he's a tough defender. Um, but it's important to remember, like historically, almost none of these second-round picks are going to work out. So Exactly. To your point, like if you've got a guy you like, after, you know, 40, pick 40, just go for it because at the end of the day, you want to live with, with your own opinions, right? And and most of these guys aren't going to work out anyway. So um, I like Skylar Mays a lot, but uh, again, at that point in the draft, the likelihood of him sticking in the NBA is historically low, but I think he has a chance. Yeah, there you go. And like I said, like you had him in the 30s, I had him yep. in the upper 60s, right? Yep. So like I'm, I'm sure there were a lot of teams that had him pegged in that wide range correct so um moving on we're gonna roll into the boston celtics now i from what i've seen on your twitter handle lee i've seen you speak glowingly uh particularly of one guy that they have drafted Mm -hmm. that i'm not so high on so i think Mm -hmm. that we'll probably have wavering opinions for draft grades here uh what did you give the boston celtics as their overall grade so I think uh, I think I'm against the grain on this one. I, I don't think the Celtics are getting very rave reviews from uh, from draft Twitter or even kind of your more traditional NBA draft media. But I've got the Boston Celtics with a B, the solid B here. Um, they grabbed Aaron Neesmith, uh, 
probably the best shooter in this draft from Vanderbilt at 14. I had him 16th on my board, so right in that range. Um, number 26 is Peyton Pritchard, probably the guy that you're referring to. Correct. <laughs> I, had, I had Peyton Pritchard 23rd on my board. So as, as shocked as everyone was to see him go off in the first round, I was not surprised at all. Um, they traded pick 30, which was Desmond Bain to Memphis. They got two future second rounds out of that. So kind of call that a wash. Uh, I know a lot of people really like Desmond Bain. I think Memphis did good to grab him there. And then 47th was uh, Yam Madar, which is an Israeli point guard who um, they figured to bring over right away, I believe. And I had him 40th on my board. So um, even though there's some redundancy there, I think Peyton Pritchard, um, you know, he's obviously the senior Oregon point guard, Pac-12 player of the year, 40% uh, three-point shooter, effortless range, tough as nails, a little bigger than people give him credit for, a little better defender than people give him credit for. Just a guy who's played in a ton of big games as like a role player in a final on a final four team when he was a sophomore. And then as a as a junior and a senior as kind of a dominant ball handler on two really good Oregon teams. Um, his senior year, they won the regular season, the Pac-12. I think Peyton Pritchard is going to be contributing for Boston in big games this year. He looks like a vacuum salesman, but the Celtics fans <laughs> are going to be pleasantly surprised, in my opinion. So I'm. I'm certainly uh, not in the majority on that opinion, but I am willing to kind of put my neck out there a little bit for old Peyton. Well, there you go. You put your name on it, man, and and that's what I love. You know, we have a guy that we're going to talk about later in drafts, right, that uh, I am, like, through the moon about that I seem to be, like, the only buddy, you know, banging his drum. Yep. But, um, you know, I, I like your your point about Peyton Pritchard. He's going to be one of those, you know, your Alex Caruso's, your – your Brian Cardinals, you know, your Matt Bonner. He's going to be the the white guy in the NBA that doesn't look like he should be out there, right? right. But he, you, you feel like he's going to do well. Um, Austin, what, what what is your feelings on how Boston did in this draft, brother? Um, you know, I actually I actually had them in the B B plus range as well. Um, I like their picks a lot. I was uh, I'm a big Aaron Neesmith fan for sure. You know, anytime you, the, a team that needs shooting can get that kind of shooting. And with two different picks in the draft, you know, both guys are, are over 40% three point shooters for their career. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of have an affinity for upperclassmen in the draft as well, too. So Peyton Pritchard mm -hmm. is one that I really like, too. I, I like picks that can come in, especially for a team like Boston that's already, you know, has championship aspirations. They're already trying to get to the conference finals every year or the finals. You know, they need to bring in guys that can contribute right now. Um, that third pick, the second round pick, Yamadar, I would have liked to see them take a big guy there. I, I, I don't know who necessarily, but they 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 need to get some size on the inside, I think. And right. that was the that was what kept them from getting an A for me is just like you guys said, there was a little bit of redundancy in that pick there. But the first two picks, I think they knocked it completely out of the park. So I had them as like a B, B plus. Yeah, I have them at just a C. Um I think that I really would have loved to see Kira Lewis Jr. fall to that very next pick, which Boston had. I think that they would have took him in a heartbeat. Um, Aaron Neesmith makes sense on the shooting front, but he Boston does a lot of, you know, their defensive scheme relies on everybody doing a little bit, right? And I don't project Neesmith to be that plus style defender, even though he's got a he's got an NBA body, you know, as, yep. as far as, you know, height and weight and, you know, just overall definition, things like that. I just don't project him to be one of those plus size defenders. Uh, you know, you got Marcus Smart, you got Tatum, you got Brown, you know, a lot of good defenders. When you kind of have that weakness, NBA teams are going to attack that, especially in the finals, which we were just all talking about, right? That how 
they have those aspirations. Neesmith obviously probably won't be in those positions. I mean, to his credit, though, when you can shoot over 53% from the three-point line, you know, you you can you kind of have a skill that a lot of NBA teams are looking for. We just mm-hmm. saw guys like Davis Bertans, you know, get stupid mm-hmm. money, right, for having that one particular skill. Um, Peyton Pritchard, I'm, I'm lower on than, than you, Lee. I had him in my 40s. Um, yeah. Between the two of those guys, I really would have liked to see like a Cole, like a Cole Anthony and RJ Hampton, maybe even Emmanuel quickly if you're trying to address that um, – three-point shooting, right, and still have that defensive intensity, Lee. You and I both share that same sentiment that quickly is a highly underrated defender um, yep. coming into the NBA. So I li- I would have liked to see those guys go and, and <coughs> instead of where Neesmith and Pritchard were taken. Madar, I'm not going to beat up too much. I didn't have him as high as others. I know a lot of people kind of like it, liking his ball handling style to that, you know, 1990s New York ball handler um, style. He's He's one of those guys that gets in the face of his, you know, opponent, and that that rubs people the right way a lot of times. Yep. Um, Lee, you were talking about, you know, Boston wants to bring him in quickly. From what I'm hearing, a lot of scouts and a lot of, um, you know, executives are saying that he wants to come over, but is probably he's probably better off as a draft and stash guy for at least yeah. a year. So it's going to be interesting to see what Boston does on that front. Maybe they bring him over on initially on a two way contract just to kind of make him happy, right? So um, yeah. overall, I gave them a C. Lee. Yep, that's that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Yam is um, probably the second best on ball defender as a guard in this draft, maybe behind Trey Young. I mean, he's just a ferocious kind of irritant on the ball. Um, he's still improving as a shooter, kind of more of a uh, off-the-dribble pull-up guy than he is a catch-and-shoot right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think your point is is good. You know, I don't know that you'll see him right away on the Celtics, like, active 15 NBA roster. Maybe he's more of a two-way guy right now. Uh, but he's a n- really nice long-term point guard prospect, sure. where it's Richard can hopefully, if, if, I, if I'm correct, hopefully he can plug in at that backup point guard position and I think he's an upgrade over Brad Wanamaker. Um, and then Neesmith, you know, like I said, I had him at 16. They drafted him at 14. He's a big-time movement shooter, but one-dimensional. But, like – Uh-oh. Did we lose him? That, you can kind of understand uh, taking a gamble. The point about a big guy is fair. I mean, um, you know, t- uh, Tice and Robert Williams um, are, are both – you know, they just traded away – uh, I, I get the point about they maybe should have thrown a dart at the front court, a uh, dartboard talent, you know, type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, overall, I really liked it more than most. Yeah. And, and those are all those are all fair points. Uh, I, I to my credit, I did have Neesmith, I think, 21st on my board. So seeing him yeah. taken a little bit higher, you know, really, you evaluate draft prospects and tiers anyway. Right. So probably yeah. he's closer tier wise than he is numerically on my board to where he was selected. Um, President Chris LeBron for the Off the Ball Network. Lee, you're very familiar with Chris. Y'all do a lot of great stuff together as well. Um, He just said that Yam has some Brooklyn in his DNA. So that's why I'm telling you, right? Like he... He gets He'll a lot of the ninety-four feet. You know what I mean? Yeah, he he's got like some Gary Payton, you know, type <laughs> of, tra- and he'll let you know about it too as yeah, he's playing. Competitive but, um, kid. Yeah, super competitive guy. But that's a great transition to, from having Brooklyn in your DNA to oh. now we're talking about the Brooklyn Nets. Um, awesome. Yeah, right. I did a good job there. I'll give myself a little <laughs> pat on the back. <laughs> All right. So um, the Brooklyn Nets had the nineteenth pick overall. 
um, in a in a real funky deal that they did on yeah. draft day. They ended up uh, flipping that in order to bring in Landry Shamit, which you know I'll go ahead and say. I think if you draft Landry Shamit 19th in this draft, you're doing a pretty good job, right? Yep. So I think that that's fair. And then all the way down at 57, they selected Reggie Perry, that kind of combo forward center out of Mississippi State. Uh, Austin, what did they do to move your needle, brother? Um, honestly, uh, in terms of actual draft grade, I gave them a C just because they only had the one pick in the second round. Um, but you know, the moving that, moving that pick they had in the first round for Landry Shamit, I think was a great move for them. They're another team that, you know, they need guys that can come in right now and contribute more so than, you know, a, a prospect or a, you know, a project type of guy. Um, so I gave them a C overall for the draft, just mostly because they, moved that first round pick, but I do like Landry Shamit a lot. I think he's going to come in and he seems like a guy, one of the few guys on that team that maybe doesn't have like a huge outspoken personality. Kind of, <laughs> not yet. Kind of, kind of be able to take a back seat to some guys and not have a problem with it. Um, so, you know, I think all in all, that was a good move for them, but I just gave them a C just like I said, because they only had the second round pick. Okay, that's fair. Lee, I know that we kind of talked about how we went into watching Mississippi State games looking to evaluate, you know, Mr. Reggie Perry and came imp more so impressed out of those evaluations with Robert Woodard III. Um, that being said, I'm kind of high on Reggie Perry being the 57th pick, especially to Brooklyn, who when you look at their team needs, they do need that kind of front court help. I'm not saying he's going to come in and give it to you, but, um, you know, taking a guy who averaged 20-10 in a couple blocks – in the SEC at 57 and then walking away with Landry Shamit, I gave them an A. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So I'll say, I'll say the positive thing about the Reggie Perry pick first. I think it makes sense. Uh, obviously again, you get a guy that late. It's, it's really hard to nitpick these super late second round guys, but Reggie Perry is a different type of post player than the three post players they already have on their roster. So mm -hmm. uh, Nick Claxton, um, Jared Allen, and DeAndre Jordan are all kind of in that, like, uh, super long rim protector, uh, floor runner uh, profile. Like, they're all very similar. Whereas Reggie Perry is much more bulkier. He's more of a face-up guy. He can catch the ball and make a play for himself. Um you know, he's much more offensively uh, centric minded, I would say. So I like the fact that at least they at least they swung on a big who has a different type of basketball profile than the posts are already on their on their team. That's about the, 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 the last positive thing I have to say about this draft for Brooklyn. I mean, I do like the Shamit. I do like the Shamit deal. They also picked up Bruce Brown, which is a guard I've kind of always had a, a, an affinity for. Yeah. Um, I thought he was undervalued in his draft class. Um, but man, they, they moved Sadiq Bay with the 19th pick who I thought would have just been fair point. A, yeah. A terrific kind of ready-made three and D guy who doesn't need the ball in his hands and can guard. Um, yeah. now that being said, they did re-sign Joe Harris. So maybe their thinking is, you know, we're kind of set, uh, from that position. Um, Reggie Perry was an undrafted guy for me. He wasn't in my top 60. Um, and you know, so I had a C minus. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I feel like this is kind of like what you'll see. Like this is a nutshell of what you'll see, how everyone evaluated this draft, just how wide oh, yeah. ranging, you know, oh, the yeah. how the grades are, right? Like I, I give them a straight up A because I like, I mean, I didn't like Reggie Perry, but I think that the fact that I didn't like him 
at where he was projected early in the year. Yep. I feel like how, how we were talking about earlier, right? Like if you like a guy, you just take him at 57, yeah. right? And, um, you know, 20, 20 and 10 and a couple blocks, very efficient, actually showed flashes of a little bit of touch outside the paint. So yep. I don't yep. know. I mean, it, it, but I also, you know, like we said earlier, I also understand, you know, how people got to be disenchanted with the idea of taking a Reggie Perry as well, right? All right, I'm gonna let you lead this one off, man, because this is this is your bread basket, man. This is your um, this is your hometown Charlotte Hornets. So just go ahead and take this one away, man. Boy, it was it was an exciting night to be a Hornets fan. I mean, not only you know, not only we did we get some lottery luck and, and have the third pick in the draft, but we also made an acquisition to 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 have three picks now in the second round. So I'll just go ahead with the overall grade first, B plus. Mm. Um. And now, you know, I'll just list off who we got. So, obviously, at number three, uh, the Hornets were able to corral LaMelo Ball, who is probably the most uh, famous name in this draft and, and potentially, potentially, eventually the best player in this draft. I had LaMelo Ball number four on my board. So, the only player that was available that I had ahead of him was Patrick Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I completely understand why the Hornets would – uh, prefer LaMelo Ball on their roster than a Patrick Williams type. Uh, number 32 was Vernon Carey Jr., the, the center from freshman center from Duke. I had him at 32 on my board, so obviously uh, I like the value there. Uh, number 42, we, 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 we traded to acquire Nick Richards. Uh, Nick Richards, the senior from Kentucky, or sorry, the junior from Kentucky, was a player that I had dropped in a lot of the kind of uh, who's an underrated prospect in this draft. Mm-hmm. Um, I had him at 25th on my board, so I thought Nick Richards was a complete home run for Mitch Kupchak <laughs> in, in the front office here. And then you grab Nate, uh, sorry, Grant Riller at 56. He was 44th on my board. So as much as I was kind of going against the grain of draft Twitter, which had, a lot of people had Grant Riller in their first round, if you get him at 56, like – all of a sudden, I love it. You know what I mean? Right. It makes um, sense there. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, all in all, this is a terrific draft. I mean, LaMelo Ball, look, there's plenty of debates to, to, to be had about if he will ever reach what his best, what his best case outcome represents. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he'll ever get there. But the fact of the matter is, LaMelo Ball's best case outcome profile is incredibly unique and special. I mean, if everything works out, and that's a big if because yeah. he has an arduous, tough task ahead of him to become what he could be. But he is that kind of heliocentric on-the-ball engine that can create constant, efficient offense for himself and others because of his kind of God-given vision on the basketball floor. He's already an incredible passer. Um so, so my point here is basically just that if you're going to swing for the fences, if you're a t- small market team like Charlotte and you can bring in a LaMelo ball, if I'm a betting man, do I think he becomes his ultimate best case outcome? Probably not. But if he does, you're set. I mean, you, you have made the draft of your decade. So everything hinges on ball. Um, last couple things I'll say is, is, is Vernon Carey Jr. I, I get the pick. Charlotte needs to continue to add front court talent. Um, Cody Zeller's playing on an expiring contract this year. I liked Oturu there more than I did Vernon Carey Jr. I, um, see that. I, liked, I liked Robert Woodard there. 
Um, so that's the only reason why I didn't really have it at A, just because even though Vernon Carey was exactly in the range that I liked him, I just thought there were better options on the board at the time. I've talked ad nauseum about Nick Richards, so, so I'll spare you guys on that one. And then Grant Riller, solid, solid value. I think he'll compete for the third point guard position um, and, and may spend some time in, 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 at the Greensboro Swarm D League as well. Uh, but I think he's a guy who will um, certainly, um, you know, he, he will compete in camp and, and make a strong case for himself potentially to be on the active roster. Yeah. Um, Thanks for letting me do my Hornets rant. <laughs> no, you're, you're totally sure. fine, man. Like, that, that's your team, bro. Like, that's what I say. You kind of take it away. I'll just give you my my quick cliff notes on this. Gave him an A. Um, hey, I like obviously I like to draft better than you did apparently for mm-hmm. your team, brother. Mm-hmm. And I understand like when you love a team, you tend to be a little bit more critical than any other, any uh, anyone else, right? Um, I like ball there. I think it works for ball because it's probably one of the smaller markets that doesn't get a lot of attention. So that I think that kind of helps him a little bit to be able to make some mistakes. But at the same time, I think that it also hurts him because it's going to be harder for him to get more help. Yeah. Um, on that team, although from what I'm hearing, you know, Gordon Hayward is going to be there. We'll see who's involved and in p- potentially a trade back to Boston. Maybe Terry Ozier gets traded and that opens things up for a guy like Grant Riller, who I didn't have in my top 60. Um, apparently, other NBA teams felt the same way. But I but like I said earlier, like when you're in the 50s and you got a guy who you like, totally understand getting him, especially with a guy who's got the ceiling like a Grant Riller. Um, I had Vernon Carey Jr. actually looking at it real quick. I had him 23rd on my board. Yeah. So I really liked his game a lot. And I love that in the down in his downtime, he went got in better shape, lost weight, gonna be a little bit more mobile. I think that he and Nick Richards give you two different types of um centers and yep. grabbing these guys in the second round. I don't know if you touched on this or not, but also when you can kind of build that NBA stable of centers that we're starting to see develop around the league. On second round contracts, that's extremely great value. I had Richards 30th on my board overall. And like I said, I wasn't in love with Riller as a prospect, but yep. being drafted that late, I totally I understand the merit and I understand yep. the the you know the reasoning behind that selection. Austin, do you have anything you want to add on the Hornets? Yeah, you know, I gave them an A as well. I really like the you know the Lamelo ball pick for me. To be honest, I I think he's gonna be the rookie of the year. Just yeah. And, you know, in a draft where there's as many, you know, unknowns as there supposedly are in this draft or, or guys that, are, you know, may not end up being superstars, you know, you've got Anthony Edwards and and James Wiseman that went ahead of him. Both kind of had issues with do they really love basketball or not? I mean, LaMelo Ball, there's a video of him when he's eight years old saying, I'm LaMelo Ball and I'm going to be an NBA star one day. Like, you yeah. know, he loves basketball. Like, it's you don't have to worry about him not bringing it. And then the two big guys, I mean, anytime you can get, you know, a Duke prospect and a Kentucky prospect, they've, you know, you know, they've been coached well, get them in the second round like that. And then I was, I was actually pretty high on Grant Riller. I like that pick a lot. You know, he's another upperclassman guard that can come in right away and we know he can score the ball for sure. So I gave them an A. I like their draft a lot. Excellent stuff. All right. Well, we're going to roll into a draft that I like really had no idea. I heard you say that you actually did like Patrick Williams a lot there, Lee. Um, what was, what did you grade Chicago at overall for their draft? Yeah. So Chicago's pretty short and sweet for me. I mean, at number four, you get Patrick Williams, the freshman from Florida state. Like I said, he was third on my board, which was, you know, particularly pretty high con- compared to most. Um, I've been kind of beating the Patrick Williams drum for months. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I wrote about him back in, 
in June and, and said that he has the biggest star, the, the biggest wing star upside in this draft for anyone not named Anthony Edwards. Um, so I've been on Patrick Williams for a long time. Uh, I simply, I, I just simply think he's going to become a star. I mean, I've, mm. you know, people have kind of asked me for comps. I don't love comps, but <coughs> the comps I see for him are more like these like stretch for athletic types. And he's just much more, he's got much more high end wing centric skills than I think people are, are realizing e- even yet. I mean, he's got unearthed ability to kind of handle the ball and pick and roll situation. He gets to pull up jumpers. He can score in isolation. He's a kind of transcendent athlete defensively. I mean, from a block and steal percentage standpoint, he ranks up there with all of like, most special college players we've seen come out um so 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 based on that i give the bulls an a just because they had the guts to swing for patrick williams i think they're right um don't have a lot on 44 marco simovich simovich uh i think he i'm sure i mispronounced that i think, I think he it's is Simonovic, a, but yeah Simonovic. I mean, bless there we go. You. Bless <laughs> you. Yeah. exactly <laughs> I, I imagine he's a draft and stash guy he's one of the international players unfortunately i really didn't get to a whole lot um but just based on, on on how i felt about patrick williams through this whole process um I, i'm super pumped for chicago i think they have a, a future star and um People have forced me to give a comp. I think he's more of a Pascal Siakam type than he is like an athletic four that can't put the ball on the floor. Wow. Okay. But he's yeah. obviously not as, uh, as sturdy, sturdily a built, I, I would say. As not, yet. No. not yet. Not yet. Right. Um, Austin, what are your takes on Chicago? I, I love the, the Bulls draft, to be honest. That Patrick Williams pick at number four. Um, I did think Obi Toppin would be their pick there. That's kind of just what I had been hearing a lot of. But just I didn't know a whole lot about Patrick Williams until after they selected him. But everything that I've read and everything that I've heard about, I love. You know, he seems like I heard a, a story on NBA radio that, you know, he was such a high riser so late in the process that the day before the draft, the Warriors scheduled like an emergency meeting with him because they heard how many other teams were so high on him and they wanted to know, you know, what did we miss about this guy? So, you know, I think, you know, what Lee said is spot on about him. And then Simonovich, is that how you say it? I, I, I've been saying Simonovic. Simonovic. Okay, we'll I go mean, with that. Usually, that those good. names kind of roll off the tongue like I that, right? That so bad. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I could be completely <laughs> wrong. You know, he is going to be a, a draft and stash for at least a year. I did read that, and um, but you know, I think he's got great potential. He's a seven footer that can handle the ball. He can shoot a little bit. You know, he's kind of the you know the prototypical stretch big man that the NBA loves all of a sudden. So I like that pick a lot too. You know. I don't know if necessarily the Bulls are a team that want to be doing a whole lot of draft and stash, but that late in the draft, I mean, you can't really go wrong. You know, like you guys have said, if you see a guy that you think has potential, you just go for it. So I gave them an A as well. You know, I I think they might have gotten the steal of the draft taking Patrick Williams there. He might end up being, you know, the best overall pro from everything that I've seen down the line if everything works out for him. So I was pretty excited about that. I, I live on the other side of this coin, right? Where I yep. see him being more along the lines of like a Chris Singleton. Remember him coming out of Florida State? Like mm. we see guys like this come out of Florida State fairly often. Where he's, I think he's going to be more of a product of the system than the system was a product of his talent, right? Because if you look at, you know, he also played with another guy who we'll be talking about later. You know, on, on that team too. And the way I look at it is like if you have two guys who are just like can't miss defensive prospects, like. I think it would have yielded more fruit, so to speak, mm-hmm. for for the team collectively, right? Um, 
I had him 34th on my board, and I know a lot of people are going to throw rocks at me, right? But I've had him, I've had him like that since March, and maybe this is my rookie year of evaluating talent. You know, you know, I quit reviewing, I quit reviewing guys and quit trying to pick them apart so much um, around June, July timeframe. So maybe I need to reassess how I evaluate talent. But um, I'm not a big believer in his offense. I don't think that that offense is going to come around on a professional level. Um, and, and that defense, I think he's going to be more of a good help defender than he is more of like a one-on-one style defender. Um, and I've been hearing uh, some people echo that same sentiment. I think that he's kind of um, he's going to be kind of a victim of the herd mentality a little bit, right? Where like one team's like, oh, I'm really high on this guy. And then the next team's like, well, I didn't have him that high, but they do. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I need to go. And then, you know, that went up the chain so much so that the number two pick, you know, he could have been the number two pick in this draft. So I don't know. And then two, I don't know if Chicago's in a place where they need to be looking at drafting and stashing talent, especially at 44 when you had guys like Paul Reed available. I'm surprised that Paul Reed fell so far. I'm really high on him. Um, Jordan Narwa, I think, would have been a really good asset for this team. Isaiah Joe as well, if they could have got him. Um, Cassius Stanley was still there. He's my guy. So um, I felt like they passed up on a lot of good guys who could have contributed immediately for a team that's looking to make the playoffs sooner than they are later down the line, in which Samanovich, if that is how you say his name, could be giving you, right? So um, we'll roll into Cleveland. Uh, Austin, what did you grade uh, Cleveland's draft as? Uh, I gave them a, a C um, I just because of who was available at their pick. And and I know I know you guys like Isaac Okoro. But I mean, I don't think he's, you know, I don't think he belonged to that that high in the draft. If Obi Toppin's still there, I don't know how they don't take him. I know they've got a lot of big guys on that roster already, but I kind of believe in best guy available, especially for a team like Cleveland that doesn't really have a direction. They they don't really have a star. You know, I think they're going to probably be looking to try to move at least one of those big guys by the, um, and you know, by the trade deadline. So I I wasn't really very high on that Isaac Okoro pick. I know. He has a obviously he's got an NBA ready body for sure, and mm-hmm. you know he's a, he is a freak athlete and he's great defensively. But I just I think they had a chance to get an offensive star in Obi Toppin, and I don't know why they passed on him. So I gave him I gave them a C C minus. Okay, yeah, and Lee, I'll give it to you real quick after this. Um, I had Okoro further down my board than most. If I'm looking at my board, and I am, he's 16th on my board. I know people are really high on his defensive potential. Um, people kind of. Uh, have spoke glowingly about his passing ability, but, um, you know, watching him on field and even just looking at his stats, like he didn't pass the ball, you know, a whole lot in, uh, at, you know, in college. And maybe that's just, you know, him being the guy that had to generate the offense so much. Um, his shooting is obviously questionable. And when it, and I think fit had a lot to do with where I graded this too, right? Because in Cleveland, mm-hmm. It's not like he's going to like everything is going to fall into place just because that they drafted Isaac Okoro. And I don't think that he's going to really develop to his best case scenario on this team, which, like you were just saying, Austin, is kind of bereft of any other perimeter talent except him. That's going to put a lot of pressure on him. What do you think, Lee? Yeah, um, so so I gave the Cavs a D on this. Um, I had a core of 17th, so I wasn't too far off of, of where you were, Stephen. I mean, okay. I, the, the, the one thing I'll say, two things I'll say to kind of push back or defend a little bit. Number one, I might be saying this just about no matter who Cleveland took because it's just such a tough situation to go into. I mean, mm-hmm. Isaac Okoro is a really good prospect. I mean, I still had a top 20 grade on him. 
I do I do see the the, the, the optimism in his passing. I, I know it didn't bear out in the assist numbers, but right. he's kind of one of those guys who like he makes the extra pass or he just hits somebody in the lane or a nice little dump off bounce pass to a big man. So I do think there's some unearthed like facilitation ability for a Coro. He can't shoot yet. Uh, I mean, that's just a fact. Um, yeah. So in, in terms of where they got him, you know, he, he went fifth. I had him 17th on my board. I just don't think in good conscience I can really give that a great grade. I would have taken Halliburton, Okongwu, Kira Lewis, Obi Toppin, Benny Advia, Jalen Smith, Sadiq yes. Bay. I mean, there was there was so, so many, other many guys. guys. Hayes. Hey, Hayes, right. But But mm-hmm. again, you know, the Cavs, uh, unfortunately, are just, you know, it's a tough spot to be in for any young player. So um, I hope I'm wrong. I hope Okoro come in and make a huge difference for them. But I just, uh, I kind of see a player that I do like in certain ways, unfortunately, kind of going off to the island of misfit toys and, and kind of getting lost in, in translation exactly. a little bit here. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I think that um, that we're all, we're all kind of echoing that same sentiment and, I think fit had so much to do with this for me, Lee. Um, I know that we had a couple more teams that we had planned to discuss, Lee, and just due to the way that our analysis broke down, I know you said you needed to be out of here by 6.45 tonight. Um, yeah. That's a, just only a couple minutes away. We still had four teams that we wanted to discuss. Um, I just you know, want to respect your time and uh, just the amount of um, attention that you were able to give the show today, brother. Um, before I let you go, do you got anything that you want to share with the listeners or the viewers? Yeah, sure. So, and thank you. I really appreciate it. Hopefully we can um, get back together and get our schedules and, and kind of finish this thing out because it's a blast to, to talk draft with you guys. Um, as always, you guys can see kind of on my on my nameplate here, you can follow me at Witch Carolina on Twitter. Um, I will have a um, Hornets um, draft grade analysis article coming out o- over the next couple days. Um, and I'll also be having a couple more um, NBA draft uh, podcasts coming out in the next couple of days. So just go to my Twitter page and check me out if you've enjoyed listening to my opinions. And again, I thank you guys very, very much for always having hey, me on. We love having you on, man. It's We appreciate you coming on and spending time with us for sure. Yeah, and thank you for just being nice to my ridiculous takes on some of these draft prospects that, you know, hey. we don't share the same mind, right? But, you know, one of the beautiful thing is, is that one of us will end up being right you know, with oh, us it's, having different It's going to be so right? fun in like two years to be able to be like, hey, remember, remember that guy you liked? He sucks. <laughs> yeah, right. But, but, but same for me. That's why it's so fun, you know? Not even in the league anymore. <laughs> yeah. Remember yeah, exactly. when everyone was like, Cassius Stanley shouldn't even be drafted and now he's like league MVP? You know? So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, Lee, we'll. We'll talk to you later, man. Um, we will definitely have, have you one, back man. on and we'll finish these draft grades out, man, because it's just like you said, it's too fun and you're too smart to not have you back here on the show, brother. Hey, y'all, y'all are the best, man. Talk to you later. All right, yeah, man. Have a good one. All right, Austin. That was Lee Branscombe of the yeah, North Carolina podcast and of hoopsprospects.com. Yes, it was. What did you think overall? Did you, um, it, it seemed like you were kind of in agreement with him on a lot of these things. Was yeah, that- you know, honestly, um, I felt like he and I were kind of hitting the same aspects of of the picks and stuff. You know, I don't know as much. I didn't follow the second round as much as the first. I just, I like, I I'm not as into it as you guys were this year. I didn't do as much, you know, draft pre draft kind of research on a lot of these guys. So you know, it was a little bit more you know, first round, you know, related for me, I was actually pretty ready for, for Dallas next. So 
I was too. And I, I kind of wanted to, I almost wanted to put him in a tough spot to where he had to tell us to stop, but, um, you right. know, re- respect him too much, man. And he's uh, a big friend again, not only of just our show, but the network at large, I've seen him on, you know, um, couch coaches show. I've seen him on, you know, Chris LeBron show. There's probably others that I'm missing too. He's just a, right. he's just a big friend of the network at large. And, you know, dude. obviously we'd love to have him back on. So yes. uh, I'm going to, I'm going to respect this time. But um, sure. before we close out, man, I just think that, you know, we had we had planned for the show and uh, obviously it didn't, you know, didn't really bear out the way that we had planned uh, time wise. Right. But well, um, that's OK. Yeah. I just wanted to talk with you a little bit about how you think that free agency has gone so far. It's been more exciting than I honestly than I expected. Um, I, you know, the lack of big name stars in this free agency class kind of had me thinking that, oh, you know, I probably wouldn't be that into it this year. And, you know, there's just there's not going to be that big many, you know, big moves. But a lot of teams made a lot of moves to get better. And Mm -hmm. a lot of teams made some really head scratching moves, I think, too. Um, You know, one was a team that we had kind of just talked about a little bit with how good they had drafted is the Detroit Pistons. And Mm -hmm. it seems like they just decided to sign every big guy that was available (laughs) and go after every power forward and center they could. Um, And, you know, they, they let Christian Wood go who is somebody I think they definitely needed to re-sign and should have, that should have been their number one priority. And then they go after what Plumlee and, um, yeah, um, yeah, um, Jalil Okafor. Jalil Okafor. Um, they got Jeremy Grant um, away yep. from Denver. They mm-hmm. did. They did trade for Delon Wright, and they yep. did. They did draft Killian Hayes, and they mm-hmm. still do have Derrick Rose. So I know that we're going to beat them up, and rightfully so, right? Because we did it to the Knicks last last off season. We mm-hmm. got to be unbiased and beat them up. You know, beat the Pistons right. up this off season, right? Um, yeah. they took what the Knicks did and, and put it on steroids. I made a joke on Twitter. Where um you know the Pistons saw um, Myers Leonard resign with the Heat, and I shared that MJ thing where he's like, and I took that personally, so they went and just yeah. got every other big man in free agency. Right. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> um, you know, I just i i i didn't like the fact they just got off of the the stretch provision that they used on Josh Smith. You know, they just got yeah. out from under that, and it almost seems when like Stan Van heading, Gundy was their coach, right? Yeah, and it almost seems like they're heading right back into a situation where they're going to have to use it again on one of these guys, and possibly it could possibly be Blake Griffin. You know, if he's if he's not healthy or if he's not you know worth the mo- amount of money that they're paying him. Which I, I mean, I think his contract is is huge. It's one of like mm-hmm. the ten or eleven highest paid players in the NBA. So, you know, I do like Blake Griffin a lot if he comes back and is anything close to what he was before you know maybe he can he can be an all-star again but 40 million dollars a year is a lot to pay a guy like that i think that's near where he's at and you know i just i didn't understand a lot of the moves they made and then on the other side a couple of the teams who made moves that i really really like are the lakers and oh uh, go ahead and let's let's just stop right there because you're a big laker fanboy. And uh, I I, I'm really high on what the Lakers are doing next uh, next year. And rumor has it that they're not done. They could be potentially getting back the Gasol brother that they traded to bring in the other Gasol brother. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Well, um, the, the Gasols just love the Lakers. What can I say? You know, they just <laughs> they just want to be here. I think I, I hope Mark comes. You know, I think if he's if he's honest with himself about wanting to win a title before he retires, another one. You know, if if it's down to Toronto and the Lakers, I mean, I don't think there's really a competition there if, if that's what his goal is. But you know, mm-hmm. some guys like like where they're at and they get comfortable. And I don't know, I wouldn't want to play home games in Tampa this year if I were him. But uh, that's just me. There's nothing and wrong then, with Tampa. Yeah, but it's just it's not Toronto. This is coming from the guy that's living in Indi- in Indiana. So true, true. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I know I have a lot of room to talk. But yeah, um, right. uh, I just think you know Wesley Matthews. I think is a little bit of an upgrade from Danny Green. Maybe a whole not lot of an upgrade. Whole yeah. lot of an upgrade. The numbers the numbers that from last year don't really bear that out, but uh, I do think he is an upgrade. You know, we re-signed KCP, which was somebody I really wanted to keep. You know, he had a he had a much better uh, playoffs than people give him credit for. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, I think I mentioned it once, but he took the most he made the most threes of any Laker in any playoffs ever. Yeah, this year. So you know, and he shot almost forty percent. So you can't beat that. He's a terrific defender. Then they go out and they move Danny Green for, you know, who I thought should be the sixth man of the year. And then they go out and sign the actual six man of the year. Yeah, my six man of the year. Like, let me ask you something real quick, Austin, because you're you're a Laker fan first, and then a LeBron James fan second, right? But right. anyone who's watched the NBA has kept up with the career of LeBron James because you know, let's face it, he's one of, if not the best players of all time. Mm-hmm. And your experience in you know maybe just even picking on LeBron James, you know, I've done my fair share of it, you know, watching mm-hmm. the NBA and growing up. Um, is this going to be not the best as far as names on paper? I'm just talking about ability to still play really good NBA basketball, not just stand in a corner and shoot, not just defend, but to be able to compete in multiple areas of the NBA game. Is this going to be one of the deepest teams that LeBron James has ever had? I mean, I think you 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 kind of have to say that, yeah. Um, you know, for all the people that knock him for having so much help, this is just going to be more fuel to that fire for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, you bring in a guy like Montrez Harrell, who I think is kind of exactly what Dwight Howard was for them last year, just a lot better and a lot younger. You know, offensively a lot better for sure. You know, he's going to be he's going to be that energy guy that comes in off the bench and you know is kind of demonstrative, you know, pounds his chest when he makes a great play. And, and I like players like that. I think every team needs that. You know, this is obviously all hinging on the fact that Anthony Davis does still come back, which I, I think is a foregone conclusion. Yeah. But you, you still never know. Things things get weird sometimes. Who knows? But I, I do think that'll happen. I don't like losing Rajon Rondo, but getting, getting Dennis Schroeder is – German is, Rondo. Yeah, is a huge, huge pickup. You know, offensively – the Lakers got significantly better. Whereas last year it was like AD and LeBron and anybody else has a decent game and we're going to win. Now they've got four or five legitimate guys that can go out there and get them buckets at any given time. You know, Trez is going to score. Dennis Schroeder is going to score. I mean, they were both eight over 18 points a game last year and bringing in Wesley Matthews. You don't really have that drop off defensively like you would from losing Danny green. And so I'm, I'm extremely excited. You still got Kyle Kuzma, you know. You right. still got Alex Caruso. Right. Um, you did lose Avery Bradley to the Miami Heat. Who That's Miami, true. I think, has had a really good. Miami made some good moves. Miami made some good moves. So did Phoenix. You know, Portland. Portland's going to be about twelve deep, aren't they? Geez. Yeah, I mean, they may not even have to. Tra- I mean, 
they already didn't really necessarily have to trade for James Harden. But if mm-hmm. they keep things the way that they are, I mean, you're talking about having lineups that will consist of, you know, Kyrie Irving, Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, um, DeAndre Jordan, Jared Allen, Jeff Green, um, Jeff Green Spencer Dinwiddie, um, you know, all of these players that can come in and give you significant minutes off the bench and do a good job doing it too, right? Mm-hmm. So they they did well. Some of the bigger re-signings <laughs> that, that, um, that happened that I want to just kind of touch on real quick, the guy that everyone was saying was going to be the biggest free agent in this year's draft was Fred Van Vliet. He ends up re-signing with the Toronto Raptors, right, on a, let's see here, four years, $85 million contract. In your mind, right, they lost out on Serge Ibaka, who went to the Clippers. Yeah. They m- may be losing out on Marc Gasol to either Spain or the Lakers. He mm-hmm. could come back. But um, in bringing back, in bringing back Fred VanVleet to this team, how m- much more difficult do you think that that makes their, you know, kind of Giannis sweepstakes standings? You know, does that knock them back a little bit? Because remember, OG Ananobi is still going to be a, a he's going to be able to be extended the following season, and they just extended Pascal Siakam the year prior. They are going to have some help with um, Kyle Lowry coming off the books next season. Maybe he comes back. I don't imagine him being li- being able to walk away. Right? Well, d- does this hurt Toronto's standings in the Giannis sweepstakes in your eyes? Um, I don't know. I-, I I think Van Vliet is is probably a an asset that Giannis would look at and be happy to have as a teammate. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, financially, I don't know if if what their cap will look like next year and if they'll have the ability to go after him and. Pascal Siakam's good, but he he really let me down a lot in the playoffs and in the bubble this yes. year. So I'm not so sure that they're maybe as high on my list for destinations for him as they were, you know, a few months ago before the mm-hmm. bubble. Um, I don't know. I don't think you can say re-signing Van Vliet hurts them this team really in any way. I'm not I'm not as big as uh, the loss on, of Marcus Saul. I don't know how much that hurts them really. Compared to Ibaka, I think Ibaka is going to be who they miss the most for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's it's it's up in the air. Um, I did actually just do an article about you know the Milwaukee Bucks offseason. It's up on OffTheBallNetwork.com right now. You can go check it hey. out. Yep. It's the there you go. It's the first uh, it's the first edition in a series I called "Did They Do Enough?" Where it's going to look at five teams that are kind of in different places in the league. You know, they're not all going to be the five best teams in the NBA. It's not all going to be, did they do enough to win a title? It might be, did they do enough to make the playoffs or did they do enough to get better? You know, there's going to be, it's kind of every level. But I did the Bucks first. And, you know, I even, not to give too much away, but I'm not super high on some of the moves they made either. Um, so I do see Giannis eventually leaving. I, I mm. think if he wants to win a title, I think he needs to leave. And um, I do think Miami or Dallas are probably the two most, um, you know, attractive destinations for him. Um, Dallas didn't do anything to hurt their chances to get him next year. And Miami definitely didn't do anything to hurt their chances no. to get him next year. You know, both of those teams still have picks available. Both of those teams still have good young talent with, with rising stars. Whereas Milwaukee's kind of put a cap on what they can do now. You know, they gave up a lot of draft capital. I like Drew Holiday. But statistically, he's not that big of an improvement on on uh, Bledsoe. And then with losing George Hill, uh, here's what I didn't get. They said they needed to add floor spacers and shooting, and they don't mm-hmm. re-sign Kyle Korver, and they trade George Hill, who George Hill had the number one th- three-point percentage in the league last year, and Kyle right. Korver's 
is the active leader in three point shooting. So it, they it, did bring in DJ Augustine. Yes, so they did. I, that, did, I, I did like that move. I did like that yeah. move a lot. I think that's a, big, they, a big plus for them. And they did bring in Bobby Portis, who is a capable, you know, kind of stretch big. So in mm-hmm. the areas that they lost shooting, I think that they kind of, they're going to, you're not going to see, this is not your, you know, your two seasons ago Milwaukee Bucks team where it's right. going to look the exact same. I think that, it, I think that Boonholzer is going to feel a little bit of heat to, uh, make this roster look a little bit different just because it does for one it's I don't think that they're going to be able to play the same way with the acquisitions that they made um one more re-signing that I wanted to talk to you about before we move on to a different segment is um where did it go I'm sorry um the Clippers re-signing Marcus Morris this one kind of struck me as a little bit odd because I didn't think that Morris was going to go back there um Mm -hmm. you know with the with the way that things fizzled out with uh you know, the head coach being gone with, you know, reportedly a lot of teammates weren't happy with the way that, um, that, you know, Paul George and, and Kawhi conducted themselves, you know, with Montrez mm-hmm. Harrell leaving, then that probably significantly, you know, hurts their, their championship, you know, standings or, um, right. you know, likelihood, especially, if you will. Especially where he went, you know, exactly. If he had gone, if he had gone to a team in the Eastern Conference that was in the middle of the pack, you know, maybe adding Serge Ibaka kind of offsets that to an extent, but mm-hmm. the Lakers adding him and them losing him, it just it just widens the gap in my eyes. Yeah. What? So do you? Obviously, you're not as high on that resigning. It, you know, like like I am, I'm not high on it either, right? So yeah, I don't know. Um, it a lot. It's a lot. It seems like a lot of money and a big time commitment for a guy that's you know a ten point a game scorer who's kind of just you know almost like a goon really, and yeah. He seems he just, I don't know. I don't know what the um, the Clippers are doing, really. Uh, obviously, I don't think they have a, a a leader in the locker room. It doesn't seem mm-hmm. that way. You know, it, it kind of sounded like Montrez Harold didn't really like being there. Um, yeah, I've heard that from more than one place. That and the fact guys- that he left the team for only a mid level exception for a couple seasons, as opposed right. to going to like you said, a bad team and chasing the bag. I mean, I think right. that that hurts more. I think that you would have been fine with him leaving and going to like an Atlanta or going to a mm-hmm. Charlotte and, and getting paid as opposed exactly. to saying, I'm just going to empty out my locker, move across the hallway and compete against you guys for a ring for a couple seasons. Right. Maybe it's that ups the his value down the line. Yeah. It's not the money. It's not the location. It's just, I don't want to play with you guys. You know, yeah. that kind of says a lot to <laughs> me. And It's not me. And, it's you. Mm-hmm. And I, I I don't know. It seems like Kawhi Leonard would be the type of teammate you'd want to play with, but uh, it doesn't seem that way. I don't know. Um, but they, they made a, you know, the coaching change I think was a net negative for them. Ultimately, obviously Ibaka is a step down. He is still good. I still like Ibaka. I like that signing, but um, you know, Morris didn't really move the needle one way or the other for me. I don't, I don't know where would be a better fit for him than the Clippers and it seemed like they were pretty intent on keeping him with the amount of money they gave him for the right. amount of years that he got. So obviously they like him more than we do, but I, I, I wasn't too high on that one either. No. Well, the other way I can evaluate this, right. Is that they're obviously over the cap with the max contracts that they have out for guys like Leonard and guys like Paul George. Right. So the only way that you can be equitable in, in establishing trade assets is, you know, using the bird rights, right? So I basically look at Morris as a guy who's probably going to be moved in a trade for another player. Um, okay, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, one more guy that I want to touch on real quick that, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, forgive me for kind of passing over this, but this one was huge to me. 
the Minnesota Timberwolves re-signing Malik Beasley. Uh, first off, this guy just had charges put pressed against him last month, um, mm-hmm. consisting of you know aggravated assault, like having a gun pointed at someone who's at a home tour. Like this is a a, a normal thing that happens in in a suburb of Minnesota where people drive around the neighborhoods and they look at houses. And, uh, you know, this is like a thing that happens in this neighborhood. Um, Malik Beasley and his girlfriend um, came out, pointed a gun at this family and told them to, you know, <laughs> get the F out. Right. right. And um, they there was a search warrant given after this. Right. And um, police officers, you know, do with this information what you will. Um, went and found a couple pounds, almost two pounds of marijuana in the facility. Right. Like, I'm not saying right. that that's. Like I said, evaluate that however you want, right? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so after this, he receives a four-year, $60 million deal with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Not only is it crazy because of the charges, but they just also drafted Anthony Edwards. Yeah, it seems like a very Minnesota Timberwolves move to me, you know, of a, a franchise that that's stuck, is keeps getting in their own way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we, you can go all the way back to when they had, you can go all the way back to when they had Kevin Garnett and they never really built a decent team around him and mm-hmm. they've never built a good team around Carl Anthony towns. And now they finally seem like they have, you know, at least a guy that he's happy to play with that, that was an all-star at one point, D'Angelo Russell and his young, and they, they had the top pick and they take Anthony Edwards, but this is a guy that played, you know, 14 games for for Minnesota last year after coming over from from Denver where did he well played, though yeah you know he was he was he did do pretty well for them he averaged you know 20 points a game in those 14 games so 40%, you know I, 42% from deep five rebounds a game like it's pretty right. it's a pretty good skill set right but is that is that the outlier or is that who he is because in all <laughs> the rest of his time in in Denver you know he never averaged more than 11 points a game so either well, he also didn't get much burn because of just how deep Denver just like habitually True. stays. They stay deep. True, but you know, I, I think Denver's a pretty good run franchise. And if they're if he's a guy they're willing to give up, you know, there's a reason for it. And then these the those charges like that, I mean, you know, like you said, take the marijuana charge however you want. But the more odd thing to me is the gun thing in general. Like that's just that's kind of scary. You know, it, it's it seems like a poor, poor judgment, you know, lack of judgment. Uh, you know, inability to make good decisions kind of that can leak onto the court a lot. And with a young team like they have, is he a good locker room presence to have in there? I don't really know, but it doesn't these sound are questions like it. that. These are questions that come out when you make poor exactly. decisions off the court, right? And exactly. throwing, throwing $60 million at a guy like that, who, like and, I said, just, just last month had charges. <laughs> and there's a lot of options. I felt like for wing players that they could have, that they could have used that money on that maybe would, would, that at the very least wouldn't give you all these questions and this much pause, you know, due to off the court issues. So, like I said, I just think the Timberwolves have, have perpetually been stuck in their own way. Um, you know, I like the Anthony Edwards pick, though. I mean, I do think he will be the, you know, a pretty good player, but I don't know. I, it doesn't seem like a good move to me. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's uh, pretty bad when you have the charges press against you. And I don't know how many teams were willing to say, you know, who needs who we need to give $60 million to Malik. <laughs> right. So right. I'm not, I'm not sure how in demand that he was for them to have to sign him to that, that mm-hmm. large of a deal. Um, yeah. Austin with the remaining free agency time that we have with the remaining guys that we have available. Um, do you see, 
do you see room for any other kind of bigger moves or do you think that, you know, the rosters are, you know, decently set moving forward? I think for the most part, you've seen the big name signings are pretty much all done. You're, you're, you've seen the most big movement that I think we're going to see. Um, Kyle Corver is a name that I still haven't heard signing anywhere yet. He's somebody that I do think has a lot of value. Um, and, you know, I did like Golden State uh, bringing back uh, Kent Bazemore. You know, that was yeah, one. this kind of funky move. I like it. Yeah, it seems, seems like a, he he played his best basketball there, at least it seemed like. And, um, you know, so I think he was a, a decent pickup for a team that is just – they're paying outrageous uh, tax bill <laughs> yes, just are. for Kelly Oubre. I mean, I think just that Kelly Oubre signing added like $66 million to their tax bill. And like I heard on NBA radio, the only way, even if your owner's a, a multi, multi, multi-billionaire like Joe Lacob is, and even if he's dedicated on winning and willing to spend that money, I don't know if it's the right time or the right piece to spend that kind of tax bill on. You know, it, does it push them into championship contention? I, I don't think so. And I think that's really the only way you can justify a move like that. Um, one of the other big names, you know, obviously Gordon Hayward, I was kind of Mm -hmm. hoping he'd come, he'd come home to the Pacers. I I would have liked that, but it sounded like the, the, um, Celtics were asking for way too much in return. And, you know, I think that this is a perfect example of when people say, Oh, if Janny Ainge calls your team, don't pick up the phone. I, I, I get the joke, but is he that great? I mean, he made he made a lot of good moves to get a lot of picks. You know, when he was when he was first GM there, and since he's been president, he's made a lot of good moves. But he's missed on some of those picks too. He's failed to upgrade this team at the trade deadline two or three years in a row, and now they've had Horford, Irving, and Hayward all walk out the door for nothing, seemingly for nothing. They may get something back for Hayward, but they might not. You know, and. So that says a lot to me. And then also, I just felt like he, he, this is the first time really you can say, you know, Ainge got got because I think he thought they had all the, the um, leverage in this deal. I think he thought the Pacers were the only place that Gordon Hayward was willing to go and didn't really think about the fact that, you know, he signed an offer sheet with Charlotte back in 2014 and then it was matched. So I think it's a good pickup for Charlotte. They had definitely overpaid, but Teams like Charlotte have to overpay to get. That's to just get a small market tax. That's the way what it you works. Pay. Yeah, forty million dollar overpay possibly maybe is a little crazy, but the Pacers may have been offering a hundred million, which you know I could see. You know, a twenty five million dollar deal. So then, you know, that twenty million dollars more is an easy way to kind of separate yourself from the competition. But we'll never really know everything that went into that. But I do like it. I, I do think that that could. You know, with the pick, with the Lamelo Ball draft pick and Grant Riller and all those guys that they got, I do think they could be a, a you know a push for a playoff spot this year, possibly in the East. Maybe not, but it might be a year or two away. But yeah. you know, they, they're definitely going to be a much more exciting team. I, you know, as you know, I had them ranked last in the Eastern Conference on my way too early power rankings. They definitely moved up the, the rankings for me with these moves that they've made. So, um, ultimately. I think it's been an ex- fun and exciting free agency. I think there's been a lot of moves that I didn't necessarily see coming. Um, there hasn't really been that huge superstar trade, you know, of, of yet. <laughs> yet, yet of James Harden, I think, as everybody yeah, wants to see, or Russell Westbrook, you know. So that's we'll see really what happens there. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I think people, I think wherever he goes, their, their team's going to be excited to have him, you know, whether or not it's, whether or not they should be remains to be seen. I don't know, but 
we'll see how the rest of it goes. But I do think most of the uh, of the big names have, have landed where they're going to be. Yeah, and that's a fair take. I think that that James Harden trade that you were touching on is that's that's the one that everyone's expecting. You know, there are the rumors that Bradley Bill could be out. John Wall reportedly wants out of Washington, and there apparently have been exploratory talks on swapping Westbrook for um, for John Wall. Now, the fun, the, what really makes me think that that trade could happen is that the way that John Wall's contract is insured because it is so high. It's one of the I think it's the top five in the NBA as far as a uh, annual value yeah. that that the way because he's missed so much time and if he mm-hmm. is injured again and misses significantly more time that the NBA will pay that due to the insurance on the contract as opposed to Tillman Fertitta who we all know benefits from casino and restaurant money which right. again we all know lost a lot of business so I could see yeah. Tillman Fertitta taking a cheap way out right <laughs> And well, he's, uh, he even said that he they they need to cut payroll. He said that they want they're not going to be spending money. So, you know, I, that is a good take. You know, that's a good point. Yeah. And then I'm I mean, we'll we'll see how, you know, Brody and uh, Bill play next to each other if Bill stays there. But all in all, I think you're right. I've paid attention to a lot of these acquisitions because on off the ball network dot com, I have a running NBA acquisitions and where I provide yes. grades and uh, analysis on each one of the moves where you typically have to pay to get those insights, you know, from the other guys. And, uh, I'm, it's not completely up to date yet. I believe I'm up to the Carmelo Anthony resigning, but by today, tomorrow timeframe, I should be up there because deals have slowed down. And, uh, after day one, they have steadily slowed down. So I should be caught up here soon, but go back and take a look at these. You know, I know it's kind of hard to keep up with all of them unless you're in it like every day, like how Austin and I are. So mm-hmm. if you missed out on, you know, your team maybe signing a, a lower end rotational guy, I provide the grade and the analysis on what they you you know, potentially bring to the team. And to give everybody out there the an idea of just how crazy you have to be to be this into it. Um, I went to bed at like fairly late last night. I don't mm-hmm. remember what time, but it was fairly late. And I woke up to 75 notifications from Twitter and that was just from Shams and, and that was it. So 75 updates overnight. So it it is, it is a lot of info to keep up with. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. There were a couple guys, you know, that have been signed that I never even heard of that. The the guard (laughs) from Spain, the guard from Spain. I'm not going to lie. My, my international basketball knowledge is, is weak to say the least. But from what I read about him, he seems like another good pickup. Real quick, before we, we we're done, I do want to ask you, who do you think are the three teams that have improved themselves the most? That have improved themselves the most? Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I'm putting you on the spot. Sorry. That's tough. No, you're, you're, you're quite fine. Uh, I would say Portland is definitely up there with me with bringing in Robert Covington, with uh, bringing in back Carmelo Anthony. They brought back Rodney Hood. They brought in Enos Cantor. Uh, you know they they look like they're gonna, they're gonna be, be they look like they're gonna be a good team. Um, I would be remiss if I passed up on Phoenix. I think bringing in Chris Paul, bringing in Jay Crowder, um, they didn't draft as well I would have liked. You know we'll talk about that on future draft grade shows. They brought in Jalen Smith, who's kind of a funky center uh, for that team. I really would have liked to see like a City Bay go to that mm-hmm. squad. Um, so I would put Phoenix up there too. Um, I'm probably gonna. I'm probably gonna say another team that I could later go back and um, look again, but I would say Miami, um, just basically running back the team, but then bringing in a guy like Mo Harkless and bringing in a guy like Avery Bradley, um, drafting Precious Achua, who I again I wasn't as high on, but 
if he does develop into what Miami wants him to. And if Miami believes in him, my my idea or my perception of him automatically goes up. Um, Me too. You know, at, you know, outside of the vacuum that I anal- you know analyze him in, you know, maybe I'm missing something. Um, but I think Miami did a lot to improve themselves too. Teams like um, Brooklyn already had high expectations. It would be hard for them to kind of top those. Same for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bucks, I think, have kind of maybe met or maybe slightly improved my expectations. I know that they mortgaged the farm, you know, for the house, right? Um, but if mm-hmm. everything breaks well, I mean, they could be a better looking team this season. Than in in my mind, the way I look at the Bucks is, did they get better? Yes. Did they get better enough I, for what they gave up? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I like, I like Drew Holiday a lot, but I don't like him three picks and two pick swaps a lot. Yeah. You know, He's and not enough in my mind, right? To and where you're starting and backup point guards, you know? Right. So my thing with um the Drew Holiday selection is like, does it does it make the team a little bit more well-rounded? You know, to me, he's more like a Chris Middleton type player, mm-hmm. right? Who shouldn't be a second option. So they have two third options instead of a second. And then yep. we we talk all the time about how, you know, in the finals when the game slows down, is Giannis the guy that you want with the ball in your hand? Or do you want him to be, you know, the Anthony Davis on team who's still a great player, an MVP level player? But is he a creator for others? Is he someone that the team has to worry about on all aspects of the game? And I don't believe so, right? So uh, I think that they got better in new, different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like if I'm talking about improvement from last season, right, they were the number one seed in the East. They lost in the first round. I don't know with this team. They may make it out of the first round this year. Who knows, right? So right. I think that's where yeah. they kind of get a little better. Yeah, definitely. Um, my three that I think improved the most were uh portland atlanta and um i did have the lakers but you know i'm a homer so i won't yeah i won't beat on that drum too much they but did I, improve they did get a lot better i think yes. on paper compared to last year i think they're head and shoulders above <laughs> where they were at this point last year but it's, last year worked out pretty scary. well so. yeah it's scary and, for the you know, nba right now right and um you know you gotta love what atlanta's done adding rajon rondo you know, adding possibly Bogdan Bogdanovich if uh, Danilo Gallinari, Chris Dunn. You know, match Chris, you know, Chris Dunn, great pickup. Absolutely. Danilo Gallinari, great pickup. Um, you know, I think they vaulted into a playoff contender in the East easily. It, you know? It's kind of hard with uh, Rondo, right? Because we see him do so well on like just good teams like Boston <laughs> and, the, and the Lakers, right? But we've seen... Uh, what Rajon Rondo looked like in Dallas and in Sacramento, yeah. um, New Orleans. He he kind of bounced back a lot better in. in pretty good with New Orleans. Yeah, in and, New Orleans, he was good. I think I think he was he was all about the money this time. You know, obviously, I think he it was time for him to get paid and again you know, yeah. go after the biggest contract. He's he hasn't really ever gotten that big big deal. He kind of got hurt right when oh. the time was for him to get that major contract. So I, I think money was a little bit more of a, a you know, motivating factor maybe than it would have been in years past. I mean, um, he's a two-time champion. What else you got to do, right? Right. And it's kind of like what Fred Van Vliet said. You know, he won a title already. I, I, it's time to cash out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and they brought up an interesting uh, topic on NBA radio the other day. It was uh, um, Amin El-Hassan was talking mm-hmm. about he thinks they should do away with max contracts in the NBA. And then how it would kind of spread out the talent. You yeah, know, I've heard this. You wouldn't yeah. really be able. You wouldn't really be able to have two or three stars on a team. I kind of like that idea, 
But then you would probably see like what he talked about where, you know, with the Lakers, you know, LeBron James t- plays for $5 million this year and then $50 million the next year. And then Anthony right. Davis plays for $50 million this year. And so, you know, there'd be ways to work around it. But ultimately, I think, too, it would it, it would be interesting to see. Um, I'm always kind of a, a fan of the free market idea. I think, you know, and it, professional sports are the only profession where if you're the best, the very, very best at what you do, there's a cap on how much money you can really make. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they make plenty of money as it is, but it would be, it was just an interesting topic that I think would be kind of fun to see. Yeah. And to me, it's never really going to be a perfect unless you like what, what the NBA struggles with, right. Is being able to say, no, LeBron James, you can't specifically play with X, Y, or Z player. Like mm-hmm. until they get to that point to where they just like ultimately do what we do on this show, right? And say, like, all right, these are your superstars, these are your best in the world. You know, evaluate guys in tiers and say tier one player, you can only have one tier one player mm-hmm. on, on your team. Like I would like they can't do that because then you could probably get into a lot of legality issues by right. you know basically saying like, how can you quantify these intangible things that make this player better than this guy mm-hmm. and prevent them from making X amount of money and stuff like that. Right. Like the, the concept of it, I think sounds really cool. But like when you get into like the legality of it, I think you obviously would end up in a world of trouble. And you know, every so often it's good to have a, a just a dynasty that's, you know, the warriors I think was good for basketball. You know, it kind yeah. of, for a long time, it gave everybody a team to kind of root against. You know, yeah, they, they dominate, yes, but they also had the best record in NBA history and didn't win the didn't win the title that year. And so, you know, I think the way it is now is great. It was just a, a fun kind of little, you know, mental exercise to think about. And one other thing that I thought was really interesting, since I mentioned that seventy three and nine team, they went seventy three and nine that year. The Spurs went forty and one at home, and neither team won the title. Like. Mm. That's insane. You know, this kind of goes to show you, you know, the regular season only means so much. But uh, free agency has been a lot of fun. I, I think we got a little off topic there, but who cares? You know, it's been yeah, a fun, fun show for sure. Yeah, it certainly has. And um, Austin, you mentioned that you have a project going on where you're going to be breaking down into segments, you know, on what each team did. You know, did they do enough? Um, mm-hmm. We'll probably start seeing more of those pump out, obviously, when free agency starts coming more to like a more of a drip than it is a flow right now. Right. And um, I have that running article up on the NBA acquisitions and grades. All those things are available on offtheballnetwork.com. Go there for all your sporting needs. Our, our buddy Jeff and um, co-vice president of the network just did the Buckeye remix. And I pay more attention Ooh. to Buckeyes now than I ever have. Um, I know that that was kind of a, a source. I know that that might be a little bit of a sore subject for you right now, Austin. Not at all. No? You were pretty no, happy I, with the way the game yes. went? First off, I put – they were uh, – the Hoosiers were a 20 point underdog and I put quite a bit of money on them to cover that spread. So Mm. I didn't think they'd actually win, but I didn't think they'd lose by 20. So I made, I made a good little chunk of change and they, they proved to me that they can compete with the best teams in the country. So I was actually pretty happy. You know, I, I didn't expect a win. A win would have been great, but sometimes, sometimes there's levels to this. And, you know, while, Ohio State fans may say that there's no such thing as a moral victory. You know, an IU fan kind of there is because yeah. we've never really been that good. So I, I was <laughs> I was excited as heck just to see them compete in that game. Yeah, and uh, I love Jeff so much, man, because when he evaluates this Ohio State team, man, there are no kid gloves. There's not even teenager <laughs> right. gloves or young adult gloves. Like, there's senior citizen gloves for this team because they're just so good for so long. Cranky old man. 
Yeah, and I'm just like, huh? Like, I would love for my team to give up that amount of yards and still walk away with the win. Right. Uh, If the the Razorbacks ever gave up 500 yards in one, I'd be like, that was a fantastic game from the Razorbacks. You want that IU quarterback? Michael Penix is is a stud, dude. He might he might make it at the next level. I don't know. He seems he seems pretty good. Is he a pro quarterback or is he just a really good college quarterback? (laughs) He probably just I don't know. Has there ever been a pro quarterback at IU? But. I don't know. Ohio State's got one of the better defenses in the country, you know, talent-wise at least. And he, he not according to Jeff. No, well, <laughs> you know what they say. He's they're the third team in the country. They can only be so bad, uh, right? You know, but I, I I see a lot of things I like from him. I I don't know. I don't evaluate quarterbacks that well like that. So I don't pretend yeah. to know what makes a quarterback better than another. Nice. And well, just breaking news. Um, I know the only reason I'm going to put this out there is because we have a lot of Nick fans on the off the ball network. Uh, they just brought in their, they just got their point guard, their point guard of the future for this young team. They got Austin rivers. They just signed Ooh, him to baby. a three year, $10 million contract. So it's pretty, pretty too. yeah, pretty, G, pretty, uh, pretty Noel. Yeah. Yep. the Knicks, I think are, they're doing enough to look capable they are signing a lot of CAA guys, which they do have the ties with Leon Rose. So, like, kind of like, all right, you're like, you're being really obvious that you're targeting your own guys right now. Mm-hmm. But at least they are bringing in capable players. You know, you know they Burt. got they got the most NBA ready guy in the draft, and you know, with all these moves they've made, you know, they're mm-hmm. not going to be they're going to be drafting pretty high again next year. Let's say that, and um, which they should know. want to be doing. Exactly. You, know? exactly. you didn't want the number one pick in this year's draft. You wanted the next couple. So, you know, adding some guys that aren't, aren't going to, you know, maybe work out right away or, or maybe that are only on one year deals might be the way to go, you know, build this thing through the draft. Cause they've never really tried that before. So, you yeah. know, they always seem to try to build through free agency. So, I think building through the draft for them is is a is a good sign that, that at least it's not going to be the same thing it's always been where they just expect these free agents to come and they never do. So. Well, there you go. All right, Austin, man. Well, I think that we've held the people on long, on long enough and just want to sure. say real quick, um, if you've been watching and listening now or later, we just really appreciate all the love and support. Always. Yep, that you guys always. give us. It mean it means the world to us. Our our guy Kieran Pruitt on the network said that he just listened to our last show. I don't know if you saw his comment on our um I did, on our I Twitter. Did. And he was just like appreciate the love. Yeah, he was just saying you guys have grown a lot. You know, it was a really great show. And you know, it's not just lip service, you know, it really does mean a lot to you and I, Austin, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. You know, anybody that has anything good to say about me talking live on, on the internet, you know, I'm happy with because <laughs> I'm probably my biggest critic for sure. And so, you know, to hear other people say that we have gotten better, it does, it, it made, it made my day you know, seeing that even if, even if it is coming from a guy that, you know, is just part of our team and maybe he's just trying to be nice, but I don't think so, but you know, yeah. and so, you know, it's, it's nice to hear that we, that we do a good job because we do work it- hard at it. Yeah, man, and I think you do a phenomenal job. If I do say thank so you. myself, right? So, so do you. So do you. Trust well, thank me. You I, I did. I did my first time hosting a show, kind of running, running things <laughs> I, I on Friday. It. I watched. And, it. Uh, you know, I I definitely have a little bit of a newfound respect for everything that you do. It was a little was I well. I don't want to say overwhelming, but I was a little nervous. I was a little nervous at first, trying to you know n- navigate my way through everything. But I think I did pretty well for my first time. So y'all did awesome. It was an amazing thank show, you. and you're talking thank about you. you know the um the fantasy football show that you. Yeah. Run with uh, 
What's the what's the new gentleman's name? Go ahead and boost that out real quick. Scott Odie and I, we do it's called the Sharps Money Fantasy Show. It is a little bit fantasy football, a little bit sports betting. Um, we're gonna give you, you know, some bets that we think you can uh, hit on, hit some money on on in the NFL games. We're gonna give you who we think is uh Good guys to play in fantasy, good guys to sit down, you know, guys that maybe don't have a great matchup. And then we're going to try to, you know, teach you a little bit about different aspects of different fantasy games. You know, last week, the first episode, we talked a little bit about defensive players playing with yeah, individual IDPs, defensive players. That was awesome. yeah. And then, you know, we talked a little bit about um, dynasty league, you know, strategy. And those are things that are new to me, too. So it, it was kind of fun. It was it was definitely a lot of fun to do. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to keep doing that again. But uh, it was on Friday. I'm not 100% sure that that's going to be the day. I think it probably will be the day that we do it going forward. At least that's the best day for me. Um, I still have to talk with Scott because I think he does have a bowling league that he's in on Friday nights. So we'll figure out an exact day for sure. But uh, we're going to be doing that every week for the rest of the season, at least. So definitely Excellent. check out check that out. Yeah, it was a great episode. I, I was able to listen to it a little bit. And, uh, you I know, I felt that you guys, you know, y'all have a very good uh, chemistry and, uh, you good. know, speaking off of each other, I thought went very he's, well. He's a really nice guy. Scott's a good dude. So, yeah, yeah he was nice enough to, to listen fit in to well. comments. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. All right, Austin. Well, um, as, as our brother, you know, Couch Coach Live says, you know, this effectively puts a nice little bow uh, on our episode today just want to encourage you the viewers and listeners to go and follow austin you can hit him up on twitter at austin car 10 you can hit me up on twitter at steven btg which obviously stands for breaking the game which is the name of our show that we do here um just do us a favor if you like what you hear um just go ahead and like share subscribe and review um five stars is greatly appreciated anywhere that you can um you know review our podcast yes, and uh, you can follow just our podcast at large on twitter and instagram at btg nba pod that's mm -hmm. also available on facebook at btg nba um on on there and go hit up off the ball network.com again for all of your sports needs awesome of great content on there right now for sure check it out and don't miss we're gonna have the rest of our tiers here soon don't forget we've still got more tiers to get into so i'm excited about that absolutely we're, we're all over the place we're analyzing the off season you know we're, we're assessing the draft and we're still trying to let you guys know before next season starts next month who we project to be the better players in the NBA, where everybody falls in the echelon of the NBA. Hey, good point. It's a month from today, isn't it? Yep, it sure is. Nice. So um, give thanks. Give thanks this year for the season right. that you had this week. Uh, enjoy your Thanksgiving. Um, spend some time with some loved ones. Don't mm -hmm. spend too much time keeping up with basketball. That's what Austin and I are here for, right? Yeah, yep. we'll be keeping up with it. Don't worry. We'll have everything that goes down for you guys. Yep, and it'll all be up on OffTheBallNetwork.com, right? All right. Yes. All right, well, for Austin Carr, my um, better half here on this show, my awesome co-host, uh, for myself, for Off The Ball Network, you guys, the viewers and listeners, have been awesome. We will catch up with you guys next time. Much love, everybody. Have a good one.